This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers. Could not do it without them. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber today, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway and throw one single direct dollar at our face, join our Discord. Or if you want to go a little higher, you can too. You can go get some other cool things like stickers and t-shirts. Enough of me plugging that. Time for me to plug the Rangers Forum. That is bantering the blue shirts, the Garden Faithful, Wojan Fitz, and this podcast, Blue Shirts Breakaway, are going to be in New York City, Manhattan, on August 25th at 8 o'clock to discuss all things Rangers for over two hours with moderator Ethan of Gotham Sports Network. If you're in the area and you want to come down, tickets are on sale now, but we only have limited seats left, so don't wait uh, till the last minute. We might sell some at the door. Maybe. I said that's a maybe. Who knows? But don't wait out there if you want to come. Hurry up and get them. Good show today. Been a while the summer of guests. feel like we've gotten a lot of people we shouldn't be able to get. So that's kind of weird for us. Anyway, uh, let's go. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. No, you're not. What? Nope. I'm not? Nope. He's Shay? He's, he's safe for good. <laughs> this is a uh, this is a uh, New Jersey Devils podcast now, by the way. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot to tell everyone. Welcome to the Devils duo. I just that was bad. All right. Uh, highway to hell. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, highway, highway to hell. Keith, that's, that's pretty good. One. Keith and the boys getting kicky. <laughs> no. All right. Um, well, we should. Be actually, sure I barely know her. Oh, that's a good one. We should probably talk about. Oh, that got me good. We should probably <laughs> talk about the actual New York Ranger news for the week, and that being that we signed two guys that we've been waiting and sitting here to sign. One of them for six years, and one for one. And let's talk about the first one. That is Brady Shea has signed for a six-year deal, a little bit above what I would like at five point two five million AAV, and he will be a Ranger until he's thirty. Greg, go ahead. Okay, so yes, the annual value of that contract came in a little high, but let's also remember the salary cap by all accounts is going to continue to rise, especially when Seattle enters the league. It'll be another significant bump. So when McDonough signed for $4.7 million annually, that was a higher percentage of the cap than when Shea signed for $5.25 annually. So I think when, you, when you're looking at how much a contract is, um, two guys we love dearly, Hockey Stat Miner and Drew Way, both of them are preaching this, and I think it's very important to remember, don't look at the cap figure, look at the percentage of cap used. And for Shea, though he got more money than Ryan McDonough's second contract did, it's a lower percentage. So when you look at it through that prism, it's a fine deal. If, if It would have been great if the Rangers could get him lower, but the whole reason why you get Brady Shea to even agree to a six-year deal is by upping your offer a little bit because maybe Shea didn't want to sign a six-year deal. Maybe Shea would have been perfectly fine with a two- or three-year deal because then he could have gotten another payday. So you, you got to give something to get something. And the Rangers gave a little bit more money to get the six years of control. Second thing the Rangers did in this deal that got some backlash that I think was unjustified, I don't care if a player has a modified no-trade clause. Brady Shea is going to be able to dictate 
After three years on this deal, Brady Shea will be able to dictate 10 teams he doesn't want to go to. I would guess that if the Rangers were in a situation in three or four years from now to trade Brady Shea, they're likely trading him to a contender, and Brady Shea would likely want to go to that contender. So I'm really not worried about the teams on that no-trade list three years from now. It's a non-factor. Again, you give up something to get something. The Rangers got years on this deal, so they gave up a little bit of money, and they gave up the smallest amount of trade protection you could probably give a player. If the Rangers really want to trade them, they're not going to have a problem trading them. That much is clear. Um, And you and I have talked about this endlessly on this podcast this summer. You shit or get off the pot when it comes to players on bridge deals. And the Rangers decided that Brady Shea was a guy they wanted to invest in long-term, and they need to invest in long-term. The Rangers' defense is this team's biggest issue long-term. One of the ways to improve that defense is not just getting outside talent, but getting better performances from the players you currently have and graduating prospects from your minor league. In order for the Rangers to be successful, the next time this team is a playoff team, so we're talking 2019-20? We might be talking 2020, but yes. Sure. Brady Shea is going to have to be an important part of that team. Brady Shea was always going to have to be an important part of that team. Even if you think Brady Shea is no better than a second-pairing defenseman, which he is, you know what the Rangers need, Ryan? They could use a second-pairing defenseman. They because right now could. They can they use have anyone that can play defense, truly. Anyone. Right now, the only guarantees the Rangers have defensively are Kevin Shattenkirk and Brady Shea. And, and honestly, it. as much as I love both of those players, they're probably not first-pairing defenders. But in order, you, if the Rangers have to go find first-pairing defenders, that's great. Make sure you have second-pairing defenders as well so you're not necessarily playing third-pairing defenders a spot up higher. Right, you you don't you don't want you don't want it to be a domino effect where your second pairing guys have to play first pairing minutes, your third pairing guys have to play second pairing minutes, and your your bench depth pieces are all of a sudden in the lineup. Get your second pairing guys, and now the challenge is on the Rangers to find the guys they can put ahead of them. Or, of course, Brady Shea is only twenty four years old. Hockey players usually don't reach their peak until they're twenty six. There are a couple of years here to figure out if Brady Shea could be more than a second pairing defenseman. If he can, phenomenal. Then the Rangers have a steal of a contract. And if he can't, the Rangers have a perfectly fair contract for a second-pairing defenseman. And I, I, I do not understand anyone who complains about this deal. I'm going to complain about it, so here we go. Hit me, because I never understand you anyway. That's totally fine, and everything, everyone knows that. Here's where I'm at. Now, sure. now Drew and Hockey Stat Miner are way smarter than me. That's not, they are. Even, not even a question. So am I. I and when it comes to this, absolutely, I will not fight you. <laughs> there are many things I will fight you about, including a, a litany of topics. This is not one. Okay, continue. When Brady Shea played last year, we could both agree he had not an, not his best year. He did regress a little bit. We're on the same page sure. about that. Okay. Every, uh, okay. Uh, before you continue with this point, I will also add that every Ranger defenseman struggled last year. Every single one. For obvious reasons, the team probably quit. In January, the, not not just that, but it, they were obviously in my mind square peg square pegs playing round holes in AV's defensive structure, and in, instead of AV adapting to the players that he had, he played his game. He became more where, stubborn. Where only Michael Grabner excelled. Yes. Now and Kevin Hayes and Kevin Hayes, you were correct. Did did, did get him five million dollars, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. When it comes to Brady Shea having a down year, as a GM, your job is to negotiate. And the only thing that Brady Shea had to negotiate that AAV was the years 
and the fact that the Rangers need a defenseman that's going to play defense over the next six years. If I'm Gordon and I'm sitting there, I think I can get Brady Shea for cheaper. Now, maybe that that's obviously not the case, but I feel like Gordon had the leverage to go lower, like a 4.5 to a 4.8. Now, that's nitpicking at this point in time, but that money matters when you're building a team moving forward. Building a team that you want to be a cup contender, that you want to be a dynasty, that you want to be in it every single year. Those little things are going to matter. And if if that was off the table, and I'm not sure, obviously I wasn't in the room when we were negotiating with Brady Shea. I wish I was. But if we were going, if we could have gotten Shea at, at 4.5, and I understand that he fought for that and his agent fought for that. But if you're a great GM, you can get those guys on those discounts. And Gorton didn't do that. I think the Rangers would have been smitten if they could have gotten Brady Shea under $5 million a year. Uh, I also think Brady Shea and his agent were asking for more than 5.25. And I think that sometimes we forget that there are two sides to every negotiation. And you forget that Brady Shea has a lot of power in these negotiations as well. For some of the reasons you just stated. Oh, you have deficiencies defensively. You think I'm part of your long-term core and you want to sign me to a long-term deal? I don't want to be here long term. I only want a two year deal. Uh, and then, and if you then want we get back to the bridge deal discussion where, where it's like almost useless at this point. Fine. But at the same time, Brady Shea could say that. He's like, if you want me here long term, you're going to have to pay me more money than what you're offering. It just felt and, like the Rangers blinked first, and but just by a little. This is such a minor complaint on my side. But when it comes to being a great GM, to being, to being one of the best, and, and building a franchise that's going to be competitive for years, you have to get and squeeze the value out of all your contracts. And but also, this- also part of being a great GM is understanding that you're not supposed to win every negotiation. You, you can't have a locker room full of guys that are angry at you because they feel like they got one, like you're a you got one over on them. Right. So every now and then, you have to pick your spots. And if, if Brady Shea, who's signing a six-year deal – if he's going to be in New York for the next six years, you know what's pretty important? His happiness. And if he's going to be happier because you're paying him an extra $750,000 a year when you have more cap space than you honestly know what to do with, and you finally have cleared the decks enough where your long-term outlook as an organization is not full of backloaded contracts. It's certainly not. There's only one. Well, there's two left. I mean, it's Smith and Saul. Those are your two. But even, even then, you're looking at those guys will only be here for half of Brady Shea's contract. The three years. So the second half of Brady Shea's contract, when he's in the prime of his career and you're building not just a competitor but a cup contender, you have a clean slate. You have Shea, you have Zibanejad, you might not even have Kreider because his contract will be expiring by the time He'll be one- Shea's contract is his peak. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, three years so- from now, Kreider will be on a one-year deal. He might be traded by that point. Yeah, you. I, I. I don't. I don't think it's important for a GM to win every negotiation. I think it's important for a GM to keep morale high, and sometimes keeping morale. If if the breaking point in this contract was half a million to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the Rangers are looking at their cap space for the next six years, I think you swallow the bullet and you do it because you realize the cap is going to continue to go up. You realize another expansion team is going to come in, which means every owner is going to pocket millions upon millions more money. Yep. There's another TV deal to probably negotiate in here. There's another rights deal to negotiate. And you here. have a lockout that's going to be super fun for you for contracts. <laughs> yeah. So you give give if it's if it to, if it required the Rangers to go less than a million dollars more per year to get Brady Shea locked up 6 years, 
I have no problem. With like this. I said, it's a very minor complaint on my on my part where I'm just looking at this from a, a statistical standpoint and being looking at getting the most value as a Ranger fan. I like Brady Shea. I've been on this podcast for weeks saying I want him on this team long term. I think it's a gamble. I think he could turn out to be a third pairing defenseman, but I also think he has a shot of being a first pairing defenseman. That's his. That's where his ceiling is. He can actually be that good, and we're just hoping there- he can develop that way. There is a much better chance that Brady Shea becomes a first-pairing defenseman than a third-pairing defenseman, and there is an astronomically higher chance that he is simply a, a good second-pairing defenseman. hundred percent. And every team needs good second-pairing defensemen, especially Brady Shea is the perfect prototype for this era of hockey. Speedy defenseman who can control the puck. All he needs is a competent line mate to play next to him, and he needs a coaching staff that can best use his abilities. And he did not get that under Elaine Vigneault last year. And it, it hurt his value. It, it hurt the Rangers' evaluation of him. But obviously, it is clear that the Rangers felt Elaine Vigneault was the problem and not Brady Shea. Because one of them is not here anymore. And the other is now a Ranger for the next six years. That's correct. This does, and I know you hate to compare contracts, this does make the... Kevin Shattenkirk contract look pretty damn good in my eyes. That's fine. That's fine. But again, this that goes back to my point of if you're Jeff Gordon, you don't feel like you have to win every contract. You you crushed the Kevin Shattenkirk contract. You crushed the Mika Zabinajad contract. You crushed the Mika Zabinajad. You crushed the Chris. You crushed the Chris Kreider contract too. If those three contracts are the reason why you feel like you can give Brady Shea an extra five hundred thousand dollars a year, more power to you. You don't have to win every negotiation. You can't get. If you're a good GM, you can't allow yourself to get crushed in a negotiation, but you don't have to win every negotiation. I do feel like that makes more sense now that I think about those three contracts being such huge wins and being undervalued. Uh, all, all three of the Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, and Shattenkirk contracts just being a tear, uh, a tad under what they're probably worth, or maybe even a million under what they're worth at this point. But Matt's, Matt Zuccarello never got paid what he was worth no. when you think about what he made. Even the four and a half million dollars when he signed it was probably worth more than that as a Ranger. Oh, absolutely. You're looking, you're looking at a team again. This team defensively, you can look at the you can look at the Shea contract and again go back and look at the Brandon Smith contract and be like, Jesus, how did we pay that guy that much money? Yeah, four point five for Brandon Smith really feels weird this right now. It feels it, yeah, it, it does not make me feel good. It's not great. At the same time, you got three years left of it, and you've already proven you can pass him through waivers and hey, bury part of that contract hey, in, Greg, in Hartford. Greg, I think you're missing the real big point here. Brandon Smith lost 15 pounds this offseason. Uh, he's almost to the Kevin Hayes level. 20, he's five pounds away from 20 pounds, which is good because Kevin Hayes lost 20 pounds and he had the best year of his life. Oh, my God. We're going to hear Pierre Maguire not. When Brandon Smith makes this team as a third-pairing defenseman or second-pairing defenseman, whatever, wherever the Rangers decide to slot him in, every, the first game they have on NBCSN, we're going to hear Pierre Maguire, oh, well, we got Brandon Smith. Yeah, he had a hard year last year, really had to rededicate himself. We hit the Jim Hod. Lost 15 pounds one year after getting married. He's a good boy, old boy from America. Pierre McGuire, Pierre McGuire, stick up my ass. <laughs> I'm very excited for that moment because, one, that means hockey's back. And, two, I'm actually riding the Brandon Smith bandwagon. I'm here for the redemption story. Oh, Jesus Christ. I- I'm ready to roll. I like Brandon Smith. He's an attractive dude. That's all, I, that's all I, I'll say. Ryan, I'm happy if you're happy, buddy. Thanks, man. <laughs> More than my dad did. All right. Let's get to Kevin Hayes. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, we really do. So Kevin Hayes signed 16 minutes before this podcast started, uh, where he signed for one year, 5.1256 pi million dollars. 
And uh, it's a one-year deal, so that's very strange because I have a feeling that he was looking, not a feeling, Larry Brooks was reporting that he was looking for a long-term extension around 5.5 to $6 million. Is that correct, Greg? That is correct. So that brings us to the point where we signed him for a one-year deal, meaning inevitably Kevin Hayes has become a trade piece for this team. And the two pieces we thought we were going to lock up, J.C. Miller and Kevin Hayes, over the past two years of this podcast will no longer be Rangers probably after this year. Here, here's what the Brooks article revealed to us. It, it's not that the Rangers view Kevin Hayes as a trade piece now. It's that the Rangers went into the summer viewing Kevin Hayes as a trade piece. They clearly did not feel comfortable giving him a long-term deal. Um, and I think that's that's probably – before we talk about Kevin Hayes, the trade asset, because that in and of itself is a complicated co- uh, conversation, I think we need to talk about Kevin Hayes, the long-term piece. It's something we've talked about on this podcast before, and it's worth mentioning now because the Rangers are clearly saying he is not in our plans beyond this season. If he were in their plans beyond this season, they would have, they would have signed him to an extension because I don't think that was an unreasonable ask that he was after five and a half to $6 million. That's on par with, as Brooks says, a guy like Adam Henrique got on an extension that puts him in the conversation with someone like Paul Stastny. Those are guys, Kevin Hayes, from his track record, should be getting paid like. He was, in our minds, I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, the most productive non-Henrik Lundqvist Ranger last year. No, it's hard to argue that because he was. He, he was. He's a guy that has grown into his role, which honestly he was miscasted as from the jump, but he has become a strong two-way center that you're not giving anything up if he's your second-line center. I think he is... Um, our guest later tonight is Aaron Portsline. He, we talk about Kevin Hayes very briefly with him. Aaron specifically mentions Hayes as a good team's very good third-line center. But I, I don't think you are selling your forward grouping short if Kevin Hayes is your second-line center. I think you are a little bit. Because if you're a really good team... Kevin Hayes should be on your third line. I don't think he's ever going to be that elite second line center. Maybe he is that now. But for me personally, when I read he was looking for like five years, six million a year, I my gut reaction was like, I don't want to do that. That's not something I want. And, and maybe he did excel in the AV system, but the, the system's going to be totally different now moving forward with David Quinn. He's going to be a totally different player in this system. He could regress. It could have been a outlier year. And I'm, I'm aware he's still developing as a player. But when I thought about having him locked up to, you know, he's 26 now. He turns 27 in May, in May next year, uh, locking him up till he's 33, 34. Another thing that, that Aaron talked about was players at 32 not being able to get on the, you know, get those contracts they used to want. And I think that would be not an albatross contract, but a contract we would not be happy with at the last two years or three years of it. I disagree because five to six years. So you're talking age 31 or 32-year-old Kevin Hayes, when at that point in his career, probably is playing third-line minutes, and that's fine. I, I think there's still a useful player in there at a reduced role than we're talking about right now. If you're expecting Kevin Hayes at 31 to be Kevin Hayes at age 26, and you don't think the Rangers are going to improve as a team as that time is going on, that's a completely different conversation. Uh, but as things stand right now, I think if you're two top centers on a competitive team, if they were Mika Zibanejad and Kevin Hayes, I think you're fine especially considering the rest of the forward depth the Rangers have. I just don't think or you're talking just for this year, right? Not for like when we're trying to actually I'm, I'm talking if, if the Rangers had actual defenders and the Rangers were actually trying to not just be a playoff team, but make a deep playoff run. I don't think the Rangers are at 
such a disadvantage down the center if Zibanejad and Hayes are the one-two. For me, I think the Rangers are are looking at this as building something special. And- right, and that that's fine. That that brings us to the next part of this conversation that is very important. By the the Rangers signaling that Kevin Hayes is not part of this team beyond this season, you are betting a lot on Filipino, Leas Anderson, and Brett Howden to not just become quality NHL players, but reach their maximum potential. You, you, are, you are pushing all your chips in before the flop with pocket tens. That is the kind of hand you're playing. Could all three of these guys reach their potential? Absolutely. I am enamored by the style that Filipino plays. I think even if you signed Kevin Hayes long-term, within two years, Heedle would overtake him as the team's second center. And then Kevin Hayes is playing your preferred third-line center roles. I think this puts a ton more pressure on Leas Anderson. You're basically putting Anderson in a position to be Kevin Hayes because someone is going to have to be Kevin Hayes. And you're putting a ton of pressure on Brett Howden, who has yet to play a minute of hockey outside of juniors. As good a prospect that all three of those guys are, it is unreasonable to expect all three of your top prospects to reach their potential. Something will happen to one of these guys where they're just simply not as good as we thought they were. And for lack of a better term, one of these guys is going to bust. It could be two, by the way. But you're it also... Be, you're also you know what? It, Ryan, it could be all three. It could be. It but could let's, be all three. I want to add one more player in there because Kravstov is definitely another player they're thinking about in the future. Maybe two. Yeah, he's a now. wing. I'm, I'm talking specifically about centers. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking the... The job that is now created by Kevin Hayes not being on this team anymore, that is not Kravtsov's job. All right. Kravtsov was always going to have a job on a wing somewhere, playing with someone. We have to talk about the guys down the center that the Rangers are now put, pushing all their chips in on. In order for you to say, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a slight at Leas Anderson to say his best potential outcome is someone in the mold of Kevin Hayes. Best potential outcome. That's not a there's slight. A that, I think he has, has a chance he could be slightly better than Kevin Hayes. But it's there's a chance. chance. It's a chance. And that's a chance the Rangers are now taking. The Rangers are playing a very dangerous game. Because if you extended Kevin Hayes long term, sure, maybe in a year or two the Rangers decide this isn't the guy we want anymore. We've seen proof that you can trade guys on long-term contracts, especially centers. It happened this offseason with Ryan O'Reilly. It happened last offseason with a guy by the name of Derek Stepan. You can always find a home for a center on a long-term deal because teams will always need centers. The Rangers are brazenly saying that we don't need Kevin Hayes. We don't think he's part of the long-term solution, so we're not going to sign him. We are that confident in our top three center prospects right now that we are comfortable not giving Kevin Hayes long-term protection, and we are comfortable risking losing him as an unrestricted free agent. I think they're that, definitely saying they're trading him. Like, it's a red, it's a total red flag. Or Then, then, what, then what you've also done is you've lowered his trade value. That was what, what kind of made me stop here for a second. The, my first thought was, why not two years? But then I... Why would... But why, well, why again, would, put yourself... I, I was, I, you cut me off, but I was going there. I mean, the, the, I want you motherfucker to put your shoes 
on Kevin Hayes' feet. I was just doing that, Gregory, but you, in your rude mouth, were like, no, thanks, Ryan. I'm still talking, despite talking a lot. Um, I, I was saying Kevin Hayes probably was like, absolutely not. There's no chance I'll do two years. I'm still young. I can get to yep. the market, and someone will give me this six-year, six-million contract. Yep. I'm not worried about it. So you you killed his his contract value. You're going to get a first for him, maybe a late first. Hopefully, you're matching the Rick Nash deal. That's what you're, I, that's what you're I, hoping for. I think for. best case scenario is you match the Rick Nash deal. I agree. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not best case scenario because the Rangers also ah, the Rangers would probably be willing to take money back on a on a longer than just this year deal. So yeah, I I would say you can expect a late first round pick, a B level prospect, or more likely you won't get someone like Ryan Spooner back as well. So maybe the prospect's better than B level, but. A minus, B plus, somewhere in that range. The other option, and I don't see this really happening, is that they play Kevin Hayes the whole year and they go to renegotiate the next year. And I don't think that happens at all. I don't think that happens either. I, I think, I think here's we've 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 talked about the Rangers basically moving on from Kevin Hayes long term. So now let's talk about Kevin Hayes the trade chip. We've you've naturally transitioned to that. And props to you, great job, Mr. Host. Great job. Um, it is clear, and the Brooks article made this clear. The Rangers would have loved to trade Kevin Hayes this offseason before it even got to arbitration. And this is, again, something else we talked about with Aaron in our interview coming up. The trade market this year, extremely, extremely slow to a point where it was non-existent. You think about the big trades. Ryan O'Reilly went to the Blues. Yeah, but that was, wait, Greg, what about the Eric Carlson trade? The, the trade that has not happened. Oh, yeah, that one. The Rangers, I think, made it clear that if they were going to move Kevin Hayes in a trade, they wanted a young NHL-ready or NHL-proven defenseman in return. And there just weren't any of those traded. There was there was one, to my knowledge, and that's Dougie Hamilton and Noah Hannafin. But that's a unique situation where you have Hannafin's old head coach getting a new head coaching job and him saying, I want that 22-year-old defenseman to build around and I'm willing to give up this defenseman to do it. And they also got Lindholm out of that deal, Adam Fox out of A lot of things went into that trade. But if you were talking about the defenseman involved, the Flames soured on Hamil- Hamilton, and their coach loved Hannafin. So that's why that trade happens. We've, we've talked endlessly on this podcast about guys like Oscar Clefbaum. Nothing happened with him in the Oilers. There was maybe a week where he was on the trade block, and then quickly that died down. Tory Krug in Boston very briefly popped up on the trade radar. He went away almost as soon as that happened as well. Eric Carlson, obviously, that is a big what hmm. to do. That's still lingering out there. I got to tell you, I can't see the Senators being interested in one year of Kevin Hayes. Oh, I don't know. If why they, would they? They don't care. I don't know if the Senators were ever interested in Kevin Hayes because they would have had to pay him immediately. But they definitely don't want to trade. Hold on, let Eric me take some Carlson. notes. Let me take. I got my pen out. All right, Senators yep. and spending yep. money um, yep. equals. Oh nope, that's a that's a no go, Greg. Mutually exclusive. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's Hayes's trade value as an asset is lesser today because he is not. He's one not under long term protection, and two can't even negotiate an extension until January first. So he will be a Ranger. Until January, unless some crazy offer comes in before then. No, he'll be a Ranger till January. He'll be I, he'll I, be a I Ranger till the two to three weeks before the deadline. He, uh, 
It, it's just all of it's a bummer. All, all of it really is a bummer. I don't see I, it as a bummer. I see it as a move that the Rangers, they don't like Kevin Hayes in the long term. They don't see him in his in their plans. I, it the, couldn't be more more serious. Like well, the, the, thing, the thing that makes it a bummer is well, there will be people who will say, well, if the Rangers didn't want him, why didn't they just trade him for draft picks in this year's draft? Well, at some point you need to take a step back and be like, Jesus, we have seven draft picks in the first three rounds. Maybe save a bullet to get draft picks next year too. Because we're going to need more prospects then. Also, as our good friend Rick, Car- our dear good friend Rick Carpinello told us, uh, the Rangers tried thousands of things. Some of them didn't yeah. work. I, I, and again, I think it goes back to I, I think I, Brooks doesn't say it explicitly, but between his words and Carpinello's words and all everything we've heard this offseason, I think it's very possible the Rangers were trying to package Hayes in one of the first round picks for an NHL ready defenseman. And Jacob Truba wasn't available. Well, you will be Austin soon. Clefbaum wasn't available. Yeah, Truba might be available soon, but that's the other thing. Like, again, by not signing Hayes long term, you don't make Hayes an attractive property for the Jets. The Jets' problem is they have so many long term question marks financially. They're, they got to find a way, and the answer just simply might be we can't. But you got to find a way to pay Line, you got to find a way to pay Wheeler, you got to find a way to pay Truba. You got a lot of really good players coming up for paydays. One way to mitigate those costs is by locking someone else in who can replace one of those guys. And now they would look at someone like Kevin Hayes, who if you're talking a Jacob Truba trade, it makes a lot of sense to talk Kevin Hayes. It doesn't anymore because there's zero long-term protection for the Jets. All you're doing, you're not answering the question for them. You're just changing the question. It's it, instead of do we need, can we sign Jacob Truba long term? It becomes can we pay Kevin Hayes long term? So you're not you're not helping them at all. If you had signed Hayes to a long term extension, just like with Shea, you sign these guys to long term extensions not because not only because you want them to be New York Rangers for the next six five or six years, you sign them to long term extensions so that when you trade them, there is cost control already established for the team you're trading them to. And by announcing today on July 30th, that we're only signing Kevin Hayes to a one-year deal, you've just told 30 other NHL teams, we're not just open for business on Kevin Hayes. We need to trade Kevin Hayes. It needs to so now the So now what the, the best-case scenario for the Rangers, Hayes comes out of the gate strong. He adapts quickly to Quinn's system. He gets power play minutes. He puts up more points than he ever did under Elaine Vigneault because he's getting an increased offensive role. And then you're hoping another team – has an underperformer in their middle six or someone got a long-term injury or some team feels like they need to change the boat because they feel like they're taking on water. Those are the only ways the Rangers are going to be able to move Hayes and get an adequate return. Because there is a chance that Kevin Hayes is viewed by other teams as a third-line center. There's a chance the Rangers view him as a third-line center. If that's what you've decided then you're going to get a third-line center return for him. And you're going to be underwhelmed if that's the kind of trade you're looking to get for Kevin Hayes. And well, welcome I'm, I'm welcome not to saying, the present because that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm not saying that it, it's it, – it, Kevin Hayes, first of all, is considering what people get on the open market worth $5.5 million over five to six years. That is a fair contract for Kevin Hayes. You make him less valuable as a trade chip by announcing to the league, hey, unless you want to pay us so you can negotiate an extension with him and that we have no indication that any team is going to be willing to do that, 
you're announcing to the entire league that that guy is for sale. And not just for sale, but someone you are going to be focused on trading. Well, you also told all the Ranger fans that he's no longer staying. So get rid of your jerseys now. Because if you have one, you made a bad investment. Sorry, yeah. that, sorry that you went in some altcoins and crypto because you just made a terrible choice. So to me, though, the, the thing that hurts most about this is the pressure it's putting on the prospects. They need Philip Heedle to live up to his potential. They need Leas Anderson to come as close to his potential as possible. And they need Brett Howden to turn into a legitimate NHL middle six I forward. I agree with you on the first two points. I don't think they need Brett Howden to turn into anything. I think Brett Howden well, is the most likely to bust of the three. I think he can become. I, I don't. I don't think that's true. You don't. I don't think he's. No, I don't. I. I think. I. I honestly, there. I, I, I. There are reasons to be worried about Leas's game in my mind. I don't think he's a slam dunk, and there are honestly reasons to be worried about Heedle's game. They're both incredibly young. Anything can happen in their development. It wouldn't be the first time. In league history, we've seen a teenager show potential and then just fart. Like, oh, it wouldn't be the first Of time. course it wouldn't. I mean, this is sports. We've watched sports. This happens all the right. time. So, again, you look at a guy like Kevin Hayes who's proven that he can do certain things for your hockey team and do them well and also shown upside that you haven't been able to scratch because your head coach refused to put him in those situations – and you look at that guy, it, 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 even if you think, even if you are 90% certain that Heedle Anderson and maybe Howden will be better than what Kevin Hayes is today, the only guarantee of those four guys is Hayes because that's what he is. We know what he is. We are comfortable with what he is. And it, it, is, it is ballsy of Jeff Gordon to say, I don't need that long term. You will need that long term. I just don't think it's ballsy. I mean, yes, he wants I, it. I think it's incredibly ballsy. If if, if, if the year is 2022 and we're uh, suddenly a, comp- a competing team and we have Kevin Hayes as our third line center and we're very excited and he's also 26 or 27 at this point in time, I'm ready to roll. I'm good with that deal. Right now, with the forecast of this team for the next six years, looking at it, he's not a piece the Rangers want to build around. And Gordon has made that very clear. Yeah, but you also... The important thing about laying the foundation is not just identifying people you want to build around. It's identifying people you want to build with. Kevin Hayes isn't a foundational piece. Those guys are Heedle, Anderson, Zabanajad, Shea. Not even Shea. Heedle, Anderson, Zabanajad. Those guys you can identify as foundational pieces for this team. You still need other – you can't just build a house with a foundation. You need other Items and I, structures. I'm go aware up we have a, a lot of cap space. I know we do, but moving forward, I think they just didn't want to have that six million dollars in the book. If it's a gamble, they weren't willing to take. They weren't believing in his talent. That's very clear by giving him a one year deal. It couldn't be more clear. And if by year four or five, they weren't excited about having that contract. I'm sure they would love to have Kevin Hayes on a three year contract, but Kevin Hayes won't do that. And if I'm Kevin Hayes, I wouldn't do that. Why would I? I want the long term security of a long term deal, but. Kevin Hayes, in my mind, is a third-line center who played out of his mind last year, could be a low-end 2C, and could be very beneficial for a lot of good competing teams. And let him go do that because he's not going to be in your future, and you want to be building around these prospects and more prospects to come when as, as you draft them over the coming years. 
I think the thing that sucks about Hayes is I get not wanting to trade him in February at the deadline. I don't think it made a ton of sense for the Rangers to just jettison all their pieces all at once. I think it made a lot of sense to go into this offseason with Kevin Hayes in your back pocket telling yourself, this is a guy I can turn into a defenseman, especially if I pair him with one of my three first-round picks. The thing that sucks is the trade market never established itself. It wasn't a thing. Teams didn't want to make those kind of moves this offseason. At all. At all. So now you're stuck in this position where you were Gorton. You took a gamble. You have a known asset in your hand that you think is worth X. And other teams are either telling you, we don't believe that he's worth Y, or other teams are simply saying, we think he's also worth X. We just prefer our X instead. And now you're in a situation where if you're Jeff Gordon, you have to be extremely comfortable. You're no longer trading Kevin Hayes for a now piece. No, you're not. You're trading Kevin Hayes for a future piece. You are getting a first-round pick, probably a late first-round pick, and one or two prospects. And you have Prospects that will be solid, solid prospects, but you're not getting – you're not going to get a high-end guy for Kevin Hayes because you have signaled – that there is nothing more you can do with this guy. And you have to hit on these kids. That, that, you have to. And you that, have to hit on two of three. It's very hard to, to do. On, yeah, you have to hit on two or three, or you have to hit on next year's first-round pick if it's a center. Whoever you want to identify as this team's centers moving forward, you have to hit on them. You can't miss on centers. If you miss on centers, you set yourself back years. It's, yeah, it's not even close. Let's go to our interview with Aaron Portsline. He drops some tidbits about possibly some of the Rangers' future we were talking about here. Analyzing. And, and then we'll come back and we'll do five-star questions and talk about Keith Kate. And then we'll get out of here. All right, guys. Transition. And we're back with our first and only interview today. We have Aaron Portsline. He is a reporter for the Columbus Blue Jackets of The Athletic. Aaron, say hello. Hello there. Dude, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it was really hard to get you. We added you on Twitter, and now we're here. Magic. It was truly magic. magic. Social media. Who knew you could yeah. just reach out and people will talk to you? We have a lot to discuss because uh, your star player, would you call Atemi Panarin your star player? Well, he's certainly the Blue Jackets star player. They don't. I mean, I, Bob Rovsky is in the conversation there. Mm-hmm. Beth Jones, Wierenski would be there too, but but absolutely Panarin is a star for them. Yeah, The Breadman has said he wants out. And I need to know, before we go any further, how he got the nickname The Breadman. Well, um, a Panera, Panarin. Panarin Bread. Panera, Panera Bread? Right. And got that it. was a Chicago thing. Um, yeah. And let me say this. He hasn't, he has not said, I want out. Um, it could turn to that. What he has said to them is, I don't want to, I, I, I'm not going to negotiate a contract extension right now. Right now that you could, you could certainly interpret that is that as I want out, it could turn out that way. Um, but at last check, the mood from his camp is that he may want to sign uh, somewhere else long-term, but Columbus is still quote a consideration. So that's where it's we, one of the main reasons this has become a talking point is because we just sat through 
12 months of John Tavares, and it ended poorly for the New York Islanders, to put it lightly. Do yep. you see the Blue Jackets playing the long game like the Islanders did, or are they going to take – do you think they're in a position to take matters into their own hand? Well, I mean, this is such a – it's it's a, such a many-layered issue for them. Um, I don't think they needed – I don't think the Blue Jackets needed Tavares to happen uh, to show them the worst-case scenario. But the fact that it did, I think, brings it home to them even more. Like, you can't let this guy just leave. I mean, I think Tavares is inherently different because he was drafted by the Islanders, a lifelong Islander, all of those things. So there's there's more of an emotional attachment to that, certainly, than there is to Panarin, who's just been here for a year. But, I mean, there are – it's strange that a player who is not an unrestricted free agent until after – this coming season is really able to call his own shots. And you could say he's in some ways already an unrestricted free agent because the trade return that they're going to get from him for him is going to be obviously impacted by whether the team that's trading for him believes they can sign him long-term. If they think they can keep him long-term, the return for the Blue Jackets will be more than if the team just assumes that he's a rental. Um, so that's the tricky thing here. I To get to your question, I'm belaboring the point here. I think they're going to play a mid-range game here. I get the sense he is going to start the season with them. I get the sense that all they're getting in trade right now, in terms of trade offers for him right now, are what you might call futures, uh, prospects, draft picks. And... Uh, my sense is that the feeling among the Blue Jackets is if we're going to get futures now or futures later, let's keep them for 60 games and get futures at the trade deadline. Right. And, of course, that brings up a whole other issue uh, at the trade deadline, um, If should they hold on to him that long. Yeah, and the other thing that makes the Blue Jackets situation different from the Islanders situation, the Blue Jackets might not be the Leafs or the Lightning, but if there's a second tier down of – Teams that are definitely going to make the or as close to definite to make the playoffs and have the pieces to threaten the powers that be in the East. Blue Jackets are in that group. The Islanders were a potential playoff team if everything goes right. For the Blue Jackets, in my mind, to miss the playoffs, a lot of things have to go wrong. So there's it's a little different when you're talking about a player like Panarin for one year if you truly think you're a cup contender, right? Yeah, and that's why he was brought here is to get them over that hurdle. Now, he's had one crack at it. He was arguably their best forward against Washington in the first round, but didn't get them over the hurdle. They're up 2-0 on the road and lost that series. Uh, I, but, you know, I, there's so many different ways you can look at this. They They have a lot of players that underperformed last year for the first 50, 60 games, and Panarin carried them. If they have another year like they did last year and Panarin isn't here, I don't think they make the playoffs. They need more from Atkinson, from Brandon Dubinsky, who you'd be familiar with, from Alexander Wenberg, Felino. There are a number of guys that really, really struggled for four or five months at the start of last season. And I, I, I agree with you to an extent. It's a talented team. Seems like a playoff team. But I don't think anything is a, is a given 
here if, if Panarin isn't isn't part of the mix. I think he makes them for sure a playoff team. I think without him, it's, it, it's going to be a, a struggle because the East is really good and really deep. How much tied to Panarin is Bobrovsky? Is it one of those things where if Panarin is going to be on the move, the Blue Jackets maybe, possibly could look at moving Bobrovsky as well? Um, well, it's not because of Panarin. Like, I don't think the two are together. I think they're friends for sure, but I don't think they're, I don't think they're like conjoined like that, where if one is leaving, both is, both are leaving. I, I, was, more, time, I was more I thinking think, like, if you're going to blow it up and trade Panarin, why yeah. would you stop there? Kind of. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think there's also larger issues here. You can, you can, John, I don't think John Tortorella would support blowing it up. He's right. going into the last year of his contract. That does not surprise me whatsoever. The GM is going into his last year of his contract. Um, the president of hockey operations, John Davidson, last year of his contract. A lot of guys who have a lot of stake 2018-19, I don't think anyone supports blowing it up. I don't rule out, though. I mean, look, we're talking about Panarin all summer. There, There's a very real possibility that Bobrovsky is no different than Panarin. Now, the GM has said that they're negotiating, so that in itself is different. But I, he's not signed. I mean, they could end up going into the 2018-19 with Bob unsigned, Panarin unsigned, the coach, the GM, the president of hockey operations. You could call 2018-19 damn the torpedoes in, in Columbus, and, and it might fit. How much uh, – as a Ranger fan, obviously, one of the main reasons we brought you on is because everyone has the idea that Panarin, his ideal targets are, as he calls them, places with water. The coast. Right? That, that, was, that was the report out there. So we're, we're looking at the New York area teams, the Florida teams, and the West Coast. How much do you think that is playing into the mindset of the Blue Jackets where they're, they're, these, for lack of better terms, big market teams – even in the salary cap era, are already circling like sharks, including the sharks who might be circling too. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the thing that's out there, that's out there, bouncing around the league, is that he wants to be a ranger. I don't um, hate it. I don't yeah, hate it. Just sitting here, and I'm sorry for you, but that's a salivating idea well, for don't me. Be sorry. Yeah, don't be sorry for me. I'm not a, no fan here. Um, so and, and I, but you know it's a weird world right now where the Rangers they wouldn't want him right now not right now no makes no sense for the Rangers to trade for him right now no, right right they can get him in the summer for I wouldn't say free but they won't have to give up any assets to acquire him they what does he make them eight to ten points better this year they don't want to be eight to ten points better this coming year they do not they're they they're gonna love when they get that ninth pick next year they want to grow they do they want to grow they want their their kids to play. All of these things. So if he wants to be a Ranger, and if the Rangers know he wants to be a Ranger, the Blue Jackets are in a really tough spot, and they'll probably have to trade him for the best trade that they can get at the trade deadline. Now, you'll notice every time I mention the Rangers, I said if. Uh, His agent denies that's the case. There's no way his agent would say if it was the case, let's be honest. Imagine how awkward that would be, playing a year in Columbus with, your teammates knowing you want to be a ranger, you want to play on a Metro opponent 
next year. There's no way the agent can say that. Um, so, you know, grain of salt, if you will. But, you know, the fact that other teams aren't stepping forward, if I'm the Blue Jackets, the pitch I make to Florida is you don't have a prayer of getting this guy next summer if you are trying to court him like a scene from The Bachelor with the Rangers, uh, pick your teams, Kings, whoever, however they could fit the money in. Your best chance for him to be a long-term Panther is to do it now. Um, and can the Panthers have a ton of young, really bright prospects that can facilitate a trade that makes Columbus uh, maybe not better short-term, but certainly gives them the capability to be really competitive in that spot that Panarin is abandoning. But I, it's just it's not a market right now that is a benefit to the Blue Jackets, and they have to hope that that changes here in the next several months. The Panarin the thing playing okay. into the entire trade situation, Aaron, to me is – this offseason, for lack of a better term, has been extremely weird. Everything seems to be held up. Not a whole lot has happened. We've had Tavares leave the Islanders. We've had the Ryan O'Reilly trade to St. Louis. We've had the deal between the Hurricanes and the Flames. But it's almost like the trade market is completely logjammed by Eric Carlson. If the Blue Jackets even wanted to trade Panarin right now, is there obviously there's a market for him. But what, what in your mind have been some of the factors why we haven't seen more maneuvering this offseason? Well, I mean, I think it's just it's how, how team – it's what's happened to the trade deadline too. I mean, sometimes that's – many, many times the last four or five years, that's been a total bummer. The life first hasn't been a lot of – as much fun as it used to be. Teams are committing long-term money to their guys – while they're still in their RFA years and the, they're not letting their guys go. Right. Not, not by choice anyways. So teams have, they've gone long-term to get shorter or to get lower AAV makes sense. Um, but the guys you see moving around, it's the, you know, the, the quest, it's not an exciting question. The question every year is how are these 32 year olds going to get jobs? Look at all the 32 year olds that are out there. And that's happening every year. These guys used to not hit their, you know, that, that question until they were 36, 37. Now this guy's confronting it at 30 years old, 32 years old, and they sit on the market forever. You could do a story every August now about the best unsigned team, and you go, man, that's a pretty good team. You put that in a certain division, it could hang around for a while. There's decent players out there, but these, these teams lock their guys down. Columbus has done the same thing, lock their guys down in the long term. And it, it just it stagnates the market big time. Do you think that that's going to come up in the CBA during the negotiations? Maybe the shortening of contracts in the future? Uh, I mean, it would have to come from the ownership side. I mean, the players aren't going to complain about it. They, you know, they're the ones they're the ones that are asking for the security and getting the security. Yeah, they are getting it. Um, and the teams, the teams like the you know, you spread it out over multiple years, and you can bring down. A cap hit, which allows you to build your team. I think, I, you know, the fans may not like it, but I think, I think both of the parties are fairly okay with it. I, I would like him, and I, I don't want it to get as as confusing as the NBA because adults like me would have a hard time keeping track of it. But I would love to see. Uh, I think this would be a real benefit for small market teams, and it's, it, it's less of an impact now 
than it would have been 10 years ago because, to your point, players just don't move around much. But I would love to see a 10% cap discount for a player that you traded or that you drafted, sorry. So, in other words, if the Islanders drafted Jonathan Tavares and they offered him a $10 million contract, he'd still get his $10 million, of course, but it would only count as $9 million against the cap. The reward for drafting and developing your own players. I, I like that idea. Let me, let me throw two ideas by you that I think would make the offseason a lot more fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. The first is something I've been thinking about a lot more recently, which is I, the, the NHL needs to trade how they do these arbitration hearings. I don't think an arbitrator should be allowed to set the price as a middle ground. We, we all of a sudden start getting ridiculous, just nonsensical team offers like $4 million for Jacob Truba because they know the arbitrator will come down from his $7 million number. Or we see it on the other end. Cody Cece is not a $6 million player. There's no situation no. where he should ask for $6 million and expect to get it. What I would love to see is a, an adoption of what the MLB does where a team submits a number, a player submits a number, you go to arbitration, and the arbitrator has to pick one of those numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with that, too. I think, I think then you would have a real fight over who the arbitrators are. Right. Because a lot of these right. people don't have extensive uh, sports backgrounds, even. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I haven't. It's been years since Columbus has even had, had an arbitration case. They've never actually gone to arbitration right. with a player. Um, but, yeah, I, there were certain certain instances this year where you looked at the number that was thrown out and your eyes popped out of your head. I, I would also argue this, that if you're, giving, if you're giving someone, the arbitrator, the right to pick a number in the middle, you may only – get more outrageous claims on either side, knowing that they're not going to go for either one, but maybe you can persuade them down. The thing I like about um, the hard the the hard number where the guy's got to pick one, uh, that format, is it does, it does require uh, the team and the agent to put forth, you may disagree with it, but put forth what is to them a reasonable number that doesn't scare the arbitrator away. And so the right. team can't go 1.15 on a guy that's clearly a $4 million guy and the agent's not going to go 11, right? I think you'd get even bigger gaps um, if it were, if it were the arbitrator being able to pick right in the middle. Yeah. That that's basically my point. There's no scenario where Jacob Trube is a $4 million player and the jets offering $4 million just because they know, they know they can game the system and, pick a number in between was ridiculous to me. Like that's a slap in Truba's face almost. Yeah. And, and they, um, they elected for the one year finding, right? Right. But they have restricted free agent rights for him for one more year after this. Right. So they get to do right. it all over again next year. Well, that's also why they did. He's gone. I mean, he'll be traded, but that that's why they didn't elect for two. Cause that would have taken them right up to UFA. Right. Uh, the second, the second thing, Aaron, I would change. And I, I don't know your opinion on this, we got to fix the offer sheet system. Teams have to offer offer sheets. It's, it's Every the team must be required to offer one for summer. <laughs> it just I, I, I know some of it is fan frustration just yelling at GMs being like, offer sheet a guy. But the penalties are so just 
they're the biggest roadblocks I've ever seen. If you offer sheet a guy for more than $10 million, you're losing first round picks for the next three years. So of course right. you're never going to do that. Even when you should like, for example, last off season with dry or this off season with some of the younger guys that came up, the, the league would be so much more exciting if a team had to choose to protect their player who just got a big contract from a team that wants them long-term or not. I, I honestly think that's one of the things that made NBA free agency so fun is that teams are aggressive about offer sheets and teams know that their other, that their competitors will be aggressive of offer sheets. So they try to make sure that that player doesn't get to that point, but the NHL just sets up these rules to make it so that you don't want to offer anyone an offer sheet. And I think that even more so than arbitration is the first thing that's got to change. In the and NHL. To, to add on to that point, that even makes more money for the players going forward. So why would they be against that? Well, yeah, the players would support the 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 greater threat of them moving as RFAs for sure. Because the larger the threat, the more the money. The owners would fight that. And in fact, I still believe, and I know there are a lot of people who concur, that the reason there aren't more offer sheets is because there is still, and it's, it's going away over time, but there's still that sense of, no, no, I'm not doing that to my friend so-and-so. The good old boys um, club. That's not right. I don't want somebody picking, plucking my roster for guys. That's not, that is totally, I mean, you saw how GMs, every year when someone does that, other people in the league talk about how outrageous it is and it is collusion. You can prove it. It's absolutely collusion. Um, yeah. I, I mean, are, do you, do you lessen the penalty? The other thing that a lot of people forget is sometimes it's not just the penalty that prevents teams from doing it. It's the fact that all of the draft picks that must be, um, surrendered if you are granted the player, if the team doesn't match, those all have to be your draft picks, all of them. So in other words, you can't, you can't even put in an offer sheet that would require a, a price tag of three first-round draft picks if you don't have all of not just first-round draft picks, but all of your first-round draft picks for the next three years. Same with the second-round picks, and they have to be your picks, and you have to have them. Uh, and that that we I mean I forget what the year the year that Ryan Johansson was an RFA, we did this long explainer on offer sheets because that why isn't he getting an offer sheet? I can't believe he's not getting an offer sheet. Like here's why, and you go through the list of teams. Like what's a reasonable what would be a reasonable salary that would that would the player would agree to with another team, and also that the Blue Jackets would not match. Okay, so it's at this level. And at that level, the draft picks that must be surrendered, how many teams, just on, forget money, just on draft picks alone, how many teams have all of those picks that they would, all of their picks that they would have to surrender at that level? And the number gets small in a hurry. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cost prohibitive system that the NHL has in place. And I, I don't know if the reason why it works in the NBA so well is because teams retain, obviously, rights to first refusal and if they really want the player they can just match the offer and he will be their their guy for the same contract and same terms but that in my mind that if if you want the nhl to be more exciting and more creative i i you have to change the offer sheet rules there's just no reason why players aren't offered. the nba yeah the nba is a player's league oh 100 percent 
Yeah, the NHL could not be more opposite. No, it couldn't be. Yeah, it's not a it's not a players league. It's it's much more than it used to be, but it, it's not. Yeah, you know, and it is a little unfair when you talk how many how many players on an NBA roster? Ten, twelve? Uh, I believe fifteen is the roster limit. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's shocking to me. But I mean, like seven of those guys are making a huge coin, right? I got to be honest. All those guys are making huge coin. Oh, okay, yeah. So the, the one through twelve are doing real well for themselves. They're doing for sure. They're doing what most hockey players would dream to make on their max contract. So yes, guys you've never heard of are making more than more than Sidney Crosby or double Sidney Crosby. So yeah, the NBA yeah. is making hand over fist money. But don't worry, the uh, the NFL players are getting paid, right, Greg? <laughs> they they hold out for that. Alex Cobb signing before, right before the season contracts. Man, so good. Uh, there you go. An embarrassing league. Um, I, I, I wanted to just throw back to your Panarin uh, comments earlier. Do you feel like it's kind of a similar situation uh, to Shattenkirk where the whole league sort of knew he wanted to go to the Rangers and they might not touch him or trade for him because of that? Um, I, that has been suggested to me. I, I don't know that it's. We haven't written it because it's not confirmed, but that that sentiment is out there for sure. Okay, I just wanted to to get your feel on it because you're more tied in than two random bloggers. Are we bloggers? Podcasters? We're podcasters. Yeah, we're we podcasters. write occasionally, but we're we're Greg more writes. the vocal medium. Greg writes occasionally. I don't. <laughs> uh, Aaron, let's say the Rangers felt like in order for them to secure Panarin's rights, they had to trade for him. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Rangers roster or Rangers players. I will try and construct a trade, and you tell me if it's at all feasible. Um, okay. I would imagine Pavel Buchnevich, Brett Howden, two first-round picks, and probably another B-level prospect that I'm not thinking about right now. Is that, is that a fair offer? Is that an offer the Blue Jackets would stop and think about? I think it's a, I think it's a fair trade deadline offer, for sure. I mean, I think that makes it lessens them today, right? It lessens the Blue Jackets today for sure. Right. Um, if it gets to the trade deadline and and they have to move him because he's not going to sign here, then I think you take the best offer, and you know that's something like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know all those those guys behind Busnevich you mentioned. The first, two first round draft picks would be of interest for sure. Yeah, I, I feel I like what feel Greg. Like, I feel like what Greg just said. I would be like, nope, hard no on my side. <laughs> I I feel like it would be a situation where, if if the Blue Jackets play it right, maybe they. I, I, Jeff Gordon has been fairly smart with what he's done so far, but I mean, the Denver Nuggets got the New York Knicks to blink on Camelo, Carmelo Anthony, even though everybody knew Melo was going to the Knicks in the off season. So maybe yeah. maybe the Blue Jackets get the Rangers to blink as well. And they do it under the guise of you get to sign him to an extension before he even gets to unrestricted free agency. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's fine. I, just, I for me, it's like the, I don't think the Rangers want to make that trade right now. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I don't. That was a complete hypothetical. I don't see Jeff Gordon. I don't see Gordon even calling the Blue Jackets seriously with a trade offer. Yeah, I mean, they don't want to be better this year. As antithetical as that sounds. They want to be better next year, and they got a ton. They got a ton of young guys they can look at. You learn; it's amazing how much you learn about 
young players and prospects over the course of the year. So they take this year, they take some lumps, they see where they're at. And yeah, I, I just, I don't see them making a deal right now for him for sure. I, it's hard for me to imagine Columbus makes a a trade deadline deal with the Metro team. Right. But, you know, take the best offer. And one of, one of the last things I want to talk about, because I know you focus on the Blue Jackets, but you do have a pretty wide knowledge of the NHL. The Rangers, they, don't, they obviously don't have a guy like Panarin, but they now have two guys, or at least maybe even three guys, depending on your opinion of Ryan Spooner, who could be traded at the deadline for what I would consider fairly significant returns. What do you think the markets for Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Hayes could be by February? Um, I mean, you're, so you're you're trading him to a cont- to a contender. Obviously, you're trading him to a team that's bo- that's loading up for the playoffs. Right, I think Sim- similar to top. Nash last year. Yeah, I, I he's top. I think Zuccarello is the top six guy. Um, I think Hayes is is probably correct me if I'm wrong. Is seen more as the not a guy that has yeah, probably a top nine guy for sure, but certainly a guy that can help you. Um, bit of a breakout year this year. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, the Ranger fans personally are very excited. Kevin Hayes, we I know we technically haven't recorded our first part of the podcast. Wow, we're spoiled. Uh, spoiler alert for all, our, all our listeners. But we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Kevin Hayes today because to he, us, one, he was the Rangers' best player last year, and I don't think it's yeah. very close. And two, he's proven to be a through-and-through through number two center who goes both ways and actually has offensive upside because for whatever reason, Elaine Vigneault just didn't want to play him on the power play. And why, why Vigneault, I I can go on a whole nother rant with you about Elaine. Yeah. How much time do you have? One of, one of the biggest cruxes, if it wasn't Pavel Buchnevich playtime, it was why Kevin Hayes wasn't getting featured more offensively. So Ranger fans are of the belief that, Nobody, the few players currently on roster were going to benefit more from David Quinn. Hayes was one of those guys, and everything that's now happened with Hayes has kind of sent everything into a tailspin because it's almost like Panarin. I don't, unlike Panarin, Hayes has seemingly made it clear that he wanted an extension, but the Rangers didn't feel comfortable extending him. I just, I, he's a second line center in my mind that goes both ways and provides you scoring upside more than he's shown. If that's not a yeah. guy you want to build around, I don't know who you build around. Yeah, I mean, is he when you're a really good team? Is he a number two center? Um, for me, no. Yeah, I think on a really good team, he's your he's probably a a very good number three. If he's your number three center, you feel fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and, and historically, if, correct me again if I'm wrong. Not a great faceoff guy. A solid solid faceoff guy. From the Rangers have he would be the guy the Rangers would put in defensive stone faceoffs. But that might be because they don't have better options. I mean, okay. Uh, to me, he was always the, like a 40% guy before. Maybe he was better this year. I'm bringing it up. I, I, would, I, I, I never felt uncomfortable with him taking a defensive zone faceoff. I, I could very easily be wrong, but I, I felt very good anytime Kevin Hayes lined up in the defensive zone. Yeah. Big guy, though. Big guy wingspan. 6'5". Huge. Yeah. I like him on a really good team as a third-line guy, and I don't overpay for that. His face-off percentage in, in 2017-2018 was 
good. What was it before that? Uh, crap. So it was 35 and 45. So he's improved every year. Okay. His okay. first two years yeah, was 36 and 35. So he was trolled total crapple. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good for him. I mean, that's, that's two ways to look at it. That's impressive improvement. Um, there's a lot of guys. Wenberg is still, Alexander Wenberg in Columbus is still really struggling on the dot. Some guys just don't ever get the hang of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I don't overpay for him. And that's one of the tough calls that, that GMs have to make. Um, look at some of the calls that they, that Columbus made with people that really clearly Ian Cole was a hard guy for them to let walk. But they they set a level that they were comfortable paying him. And when he got more in free agents in free agency, he he left and they let him go. Um, they didn't really want to lose, you know, who's uh, Vanek moved on, the test two moved on. You know, they they brought in a lot of guys at the at the trade deadline that, and they would have liked to have kept some of them. But but uh, you got to make you got to make those calls. I don't mind it. I mean, what's he going to get? What's the 25 goal guy going to get on a long-term contract? It's going to be a lot more money than people think. Um, and so if you're the Rangers and you want him to prove it again, and he proves it again. Now you feel more comfortable with it. Rock on. Yeah. I, I think, I honestly think today's announcement of Hayes signing a one-year deal marked it, it. There's now an expiration date on Kevin Hayes in New York in my mind. Because That's he, fair. I, I just, with what the free agent market has been recently, I don't see a scenario where he's getting less than $6 million a year. And I, 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 I think that's a breaking point for me. I think before we let yeah. you go, Aaron, the one question I really want to ask you is, what are your thoughts on the Tom Wilson contract? <laughs> I thought it came in a little high. <laughs> uh, like yeah. most of his hits. That, that, it's perfect. Uh, there you go. That's a joke. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a little high. I mean, I, I want his agent. I oh, me too. For me. Yeah, you know, more power to him. He got the Kevin Hayes contract. That's what Kevin Hayes asked for. Kevin Hayes asked for a little more. So I could see why he was probably, his agent was probably like, look, Tom Wilson just got this money. Why can't you give Kevin Hayes this? And that's and a to- whatever. totally yeah. valuable, uh, viable argument there. So. Yeah, Hayes needs to get suspended more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also it, it would I guess it would help Hayes if he put up a 35 point season playing with Alex Ovechkin it w- you win a cup sometimes people get a little a little hangover there uh, yeah well enjoy that five years um, Aaron right. thanks so much for coming on man I really appreciate it uh, why don't you plug your, your Twitter and all the all your stuff before we get out of here oh hey thanks guys uh, yeah Twitter handle is A Portsline A-P-O-R-T-Z-L-I-N-E and my coverage and our, Tom Reed's coverage, Allison Lucian's coverage, and you get all of the NHL at theathletic.com. So be smart and get a subscription today. I have my subscription. Yeah, we, yeah, we are we are by no way shills for the athletic, but their hockey coverage is far and away the best you're going to find, especially here in the States. We've had countless athletic writers on, and it's it's phenomenal. You guys do a fantastic job, and I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And we look forward to you, you know, coming on our show again when we're part of the Athletic Podcast Network in seven years. <laughs> thanks so much, Aaron. Look out. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Later, man. Another day, another wonderful, 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 wonderful quality Blue Shirts Breakaway interview. Great, great job. I know. I'm really crushing it these days, you're finding really, the peeps. You really carried, first of all, carried that interview in the first place. 
<laughs> Second, just really impressive how you're getting all these people on the show. Don't know how you're doing it. I'm literally just messaging people, asking them if they want to talk hockey. Hey. It's, hey. Great, it, it's amazing. It's almost like people just want to talk about sports hmm. you, in a neutral environment. You would have never guessed. Hey, I just want to talk about how we should trade our aging goaltender who's a piece of shit, right? Um, anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's get to this week's five-star questions. As always, the five-star questions are brought to you by literally no advertisers. We have zero. This week, uh, we have on the fence, five stars. This is by Stay the Course. Considering buying a ticket to the forum, but I need gotta do it. But I need something to put me over the hedge. Can I can I pay for an extra seat next to Ryan's mom or Mike Murphy? Also, odds of a live recording recorded sorry, odds of the this performance being recorded live, uh, having the Fox theme at the end of the event. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lot, me, lots of gold. Let's, let, let's work let's work our way backwards, right? Yes. Um, first of all, I just want to thank everyone who has bought a ticket for the forum. The Good. support we've gotten thus far is incredible. I got to see and DJ Khaled this weekend. He was terrible, but in his words, I appreciate you. It, it, it's remarkable. We're, we're really just guys who like talking hockey and the fact that people want to pay money to talk hockey with even more guys who are Ranger fans is humbling. I, I really, that, that's the word to use. So I appreciate everyone that's reached out. That's I'm, interested. I'm and staying humble. Even the people who reach out and say, this is a great idea. I don't live in New York and wish I could come to this. Even that is appreciated. Just the fact that you have enough, you pay enough attention to us. You care enough about us. You actually put up with our nonsense that you care enough to almost like, it's just humbling. Those are the words for it. I'll I'll say this. If you purchase my mom some piece of giraffe jewelry or giraffe paraphernalia, not like a weed thing. (laughs) <laughs> no, definitely a weed thing. <laughs> or definitely a weed thing. You, I will, I will probably make sure that you sit next to my mother at this event. Uh, I will say, if you want to sit next to either of the mothers, if it if it gets you in the door, the first drink is on the house. The second drink is on me. There you go. So if the, if that doesn't do it for you, then and, uh, and as for the fo- the fox theme being played at the end, we will talk to our sound producer or audio coordinator our friend Randy and see if we can do that for you just for you. Yeah. Why not? I don't, yeah, I don't care. I'll do it. Uh, and as uh, the part about it being recorded live, I'm going to be very careful about this. The only way I can guarantee you guys hearing this special podcast is in person. We will try to record it and then run it on our feed, banter's feed and garden faithful's feed. But I'm also not going to promise that because a lot of things go wrong. And now is a great time, Greg, to congratulate Banter on 100 episodes. 100 wow, episodes. great job, Joe. They're, you- uh, they're, they're never going to catch us. I it's know, just, you're, never, you're never catching us. Unless they start doing like three episodes a week. Yeah, just, 100 episodes. Jesus Christ, Joe, where you been at? But hey, man, look, 100 episodes is an accomplishment. Good. I'm proud. I'm yeah, happy. I'm proud of them. <laughs> Okay. Um, next, uh, another five-star question from Bill in Morris Plains. This is becoming the fan, by the way, and I love it. I love it. Uh, it's shout-out 85. Hey, guys, love the show. Thank you so much. My wife says you sound like me talking about the Rangers. A million okay. miles per hour on cocaine. Is that true? Uh, my question I love, is... I love our marriage. My question is, do you think the Rangers would slash should trade whatever possible to get Ottawa's pick from the Avalanche? We haven't had a generational stud since Yager, and I think Ottawa will be the team with the worst record this season and will have the best chance of getting Jack Hughes. I personally would give up Heedle uh, plus, plus to get that opportunity. Do you guys agree? Appreciate the time. Uh, you guys keep up the good work. Bill. 
I think the thing a lot of people forget, and this is something I know for sure we've talked about on today's episode, even if we haven't technically possibly talked about it yet. Hmm. You have to sometimes put yourself in a situation of the other team. Why would the Avalanche want to trade that pick? Yeah. That's, it's basically a free lottery ticket for them. They know they're going to be awful. Unless the Avalanche or the, uh, the Avalanche, no, the Senators are going to be the, awful. Uh, yeah, the Avalanche are aware. They've, they've got eyes and they can yeah. read. So now they know that the, the Ottawa Senators are going to be truly a tire fire this year. The only thing, that pick is kind of like all the NBA draft assets the Celtics and the Sixers have had over the years. You only trade that asset if you're getting a guaranteed star under contract. Yeah, you want a bona fide, you want someone to, to, to pair with your MVP candidate and be able to contend for years to come. You would trade that pick, for example, for Artemi Panarin if you knew you could extend him. Yep. I don't think you're trading that pick for just more lottery tickets. Here's a good question. Do you trade that pick for Phil Kessel if you could extend him? Nope. That's what well, I thought. you don't have to extend Kessel. Kessel's already under contract for quite a while. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you have Kessel under 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 contract if you're getting him. So that yeah, even, even, that, that really kind of puts it in perspective of how valuable that, that piece is, right? Yeah. I don't think you trade that pick. F- I, I You would trade that pick for like Nylander. If all of a sudden the Leafs realize they can't sign one of Nylander and Marner long term, you trade that pick for that. I don't. I don't think the Rangers can come up with an offer that would come close to that. Man, imagine living in a world where Nylander was like a trade asset for yourself. Imagine living in a world where you trade Nylander and you possibly get Jack Hughes. Mm. Man, Leafs are in a nice little fucking position, huh? Seems pretty good, eh? Yeah. Uh, but, but unfortunately, w- would I trade Heedle Plus to get that pick? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because oh, I like I, I like the top two players in next year's draft a ton, and as much as I love Heedle, I think both players are potential superstars that the Rangers could take at the top of the draft next year. However, if I'm the Avalanche, I have no reason to trade that pick at all. None. Nope. I'm I'm, uh, I'm a Heedle stan. I took a picture with him. I've touched the man. My hands have been on him. I would trade him in a heartbeat. Yeah. The Avalanche are young, they're ahead of their timetable, and they have a likely top two pick next year. I, I, have, I can't come up with a good enough reason for them to trade that pick. I can't either. Sorry. Sorry, Bill. Sorry to kill, kill your mood. Uh, well, that's, a, that's a fun idea. I respect, I respect thinking outside the box for that. I respect outside of the box thinking constantly. If you're thinking of outside the box, I want to talk to you. But most of the time, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? All right, yeah. uh, next question. From New York Ranger 17 on Reddit, some guy that continually hits us up with 90s questions. Um, what is the best 90s toy, and why isn't it the Super Soaker? Well, and why are 17, if that is your real name? I can tell you that's because the Tamagotchi was the superior toy in every single way. <laughs> It, Everybody had a Tamagotchi. The Tamagotchi was the iPhone before the iPhone. It, it was. You, if you didn't have a Tamagotchi, you were an absolute loser. It didn't matter what Tamagotchi you had. You could have duck built something. That thing was pooping on your screen, and you were picking it up. That's how powerful the Tamagotchi was. You were, power, you were so enticed to pick up shit that you loved it. Think about that for a second. Beanie Babies were also really high on the list because Beanie Babies got to a point where someone convinced us all that they'd be worth something one day. So then it became little kid investment options. It's like stock options with panda bears. Yeah. Can we just relive yeah. the 90s? Because it was an amazing time. Super, super soakers, I feel like. They're mid-tier on, on 90s toys. Also, you got to think, there were a lot of great action figures in the 90s. Like, action figures were a thing. It was before you had all the technology 
And I'm not, I'm, I'm excluding N64 or Super Nintendo from this because if that was, if they were in, those would be automatic picks. Uh, yeah. but the action figures in general were just out of this world, outrageous and totally awesome. And they, it, you could get way more mileage out of that than Super Soaker. How often did you play with a Super Soaker? If you're from New York, you're only getting use out of it, what, three months of the year? And maybe you're yeah, using it I had, four times. I had a lot more fun with Nerf guns than I did Super Soaker. Yeah, because you're in the house and you could shoot them anywhere. Yep. And Super Soaker, yeah. There's just not a whole lot of opportunity to use Super Soakers. You kind of need someone with a pool and you need to have the ability to change clothes. Yeah. There's it's a complicated process. Super Soakers in the moment are fun. Super Soakers have become more fun as we've gotten older because now we've realized like hey these things they can hold alcohol that's a lot of fun <laughs> huh. alcohol at each other Whee. that's a great idea uh we are some stupid creatures yeah but you know what you know what would be really stupid if you were turning 29 years old on sunday and you bought a bouncy castle for your party that would be really oh, dumb i'm gonna throw up in that bouncy castle i'm gonna be i'm gonna be kevin from the office do not do that <laughs> I, I make no promise <laughs> okay good happy birthday to me anyway uh <laughs> No, I'm not wishing you happy birthday thoughts a birthday, bro. That's fine. It's Sunday. I'll see you. Fine. Good. Great. Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough of that segment. I'm going to reply to him right now. Done. Full caps. Save. All right. Here we go. Done. Enough of that segment. You know what else happened this week, Greg? Now that we're done with the five-star questions, and if you want to leave one, you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star question anytime you would like, and you can also re- leave them on our Reddit threads every Tuesday. How, how about that? Um, how about that? We started a controversy in Devil's Land. <laughs> The snoop. I don't know if there's a dumber controversy. Try and name a dumber controversy. It's really hard. It's tough. So Keith and KKK on our podcast last week. Thank you so much for listening. Keith's a good sport. We're friends with Keith a little bit. I would say we're like we're like sort of friends with Keith. And uh, I, I would say I exchange enough texts with Keith about not hockey things that I could call him my friend. Bragging about it, but I agree. Um, yeah, whatever. I'm a big. I'm a big fucking deal. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? What do you want from me? So. Uh, Keith came on our show, some devil's vlog that no one cares about, was like, hey, Keith went on a Rangers podcast. Who cares? And then, like, he was saying that Keith blocks a bunch of devil's fans on Twitter. But Keith probably, and I'm not speaking for Keith at all, like, at all. Just want to put that out right now. I'm not speaking for him. Probably blocks people that flame him all day long and doesn't want to see the negativity. Just my opinion. It wasn't It wasn't the blog saying Keith went on a Rangers podcast. Who cares? It was Keith made a stupid decision by going on this Rangers podcast. And that's where I take a lot of uh, umbrage with that statement. What one Keith doesn't block. I, we know Keith well enough to say Keith doesn't block people willy nilly. No. You have to give him a reason to do it. And if you've given Keith a reason to do it, there's probably good reason why <laughs> I, I'm, again, I'm not going to speak for him, but this crazy thing happens where if you talk shit enough about someone, they're probably just going to want to cut that out of their life and they're just going to block you. Imagine you, Ryan, working the job that you work, someone just slides into your mentions all day saying, ah, you fucking suck at that thing that you do. I have Slack You're open. Terrible. I have Slack open and my boss does do that. So yeah, that's your boss. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. It's almost like sports fans forget that athletes are people. You know why Keith went on the podcast? Because he's our friend. Would Keith have gone on this podcast if we weren't his friend? No. Would uh, we have invited zero percent chance. Would we have invited Keith on this podcast if he wasn't our friend? Probably. We invite everybody on this podcast. We do. We've invited <laughs> enemy podcasts that we we asked if they wanted to be man enough to come on and talk to us, and they said, "Nay, I am not a man." I, I it, if you're angry at a player on your favorite team for going on any podcast to talk about anything. That and that podcast isn't devoted to your favorite team. 
just go outside and do something else with your life, man. Yeah, if Hank was friend, if Hank was friends with some Devils podcast guys that he went on and he came on and the whole time he was like, you know who I'm really excited about? Philip Heedle. He's going to be a monster. I would listen to the interview. And that's like, the other thing. That's the other thing. This kid didn't even listen to the fucking interview, Ryan. <laughs> because if you listen to the interview, here's what you would get from that interview. We talked about Keith's first experience playing at the Garden. Cool. We talked about Keith having to play basically in his own backyard, being from Long Island. We talked about Keith's playing with the league MVP, Taylor Hall. We talked about Keith getting to play with the number one overall draft pick and how he was playing more mature than one would ever think. And then we just talked nonsense with Keith. We didn't it, – it's not like Keith came on our podcast and was like, I fucking hate being a devil. Being a devil sucks. I can't wait until my contract is up so I can sign somewhere else. I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. We also would have never put Keith in that situation. No, if no. Keith started spouting that kind of stuff on our podcast, we'd probably be like, you sure? Yeah, Keith, <laughs> you, sure, you want me to edit that out, man? You good? Right, man. You good? We, we good, didn't, you? good you? All we, all we did was fluff the devils. So if you listen to the interview, who gives a shit if you and I are Ranger fans, right? No one. Except Keith, these guys. Keith does, Keith does, or Rangers do interviews with Spit and Chicklets all the time. They're not Ranger fans. Rear Admiral is one of the biggest Bruin fans I've ever heard in my entire life. Right. Doesn't bother me that he talks to Rangers yeah, about like, hockey. Like, like Kevin Hayes is a Ranger for this year. <laughs> Maybe. Half the year, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen to the podcast if you're going to flame us next time. If you're going to take issue with something that Keith said on the podcast, I will talk about it all day. If your only issue is Keith came on the podcast, period, get a fucking life. Yeah. Go outside. Do something else. Make and, some friends. And both of us know that we're giant journalists who do our homework every single week. And to, for this guy, not, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> he think could, of, think he of the He could have done, he could have listened to it for five minutes, understood that this was a, a full devil fluffing experience, and then be like, oh, well, he went on, but it li- you can make the headline scandalous so you can get your goddamn clicks if that's what you want, but at least say the truth in the article. That's all I ask. Think I'm just trying to think of podcasts we've done this year where our guest was specifically talking about the Rangers. Carp, Shayna, uh, State of the Rangers when we had... Woj and Joe on, who are other Woj, podcast Ranger hosts. Uh, Brandon. We've had Brandon on. Yep. We've had Fitz on. Yep. But even recently, we've talked with, I mean, obviously Keith. Uh, we talked with Jack Reiser to figure out more about David Quinn, and he is a Bruins writer. Mm-hmm. We talked... Twice with your boy, our boy, Matt Esteves, Matt Estevez. To talk Mr. Lightning. Esteves. We've talked Bruins with Stanley Cup of Chowder. We've talked, we've talked Devils multiple times with Jeff. We've, we talk to other people who cover other teams because, honestly, we find their opinions more interesting than ours. Even today, we talked with Aaron Portsline about Panarin. You and I can sit here until we're blue in the face talking about Panarin. You know what makes Panarin more interesting to you, myself, and the people who listen to our podcast? The guy who covers them daily? The guy who covers them. And the guy who actually fucking knows what's going on. That's why we talk with Murat about the Jets. That's why we talk with Sean Shapiro about the Stars. That's why we bring Arvin on to talk about Tavares and the Leafs. That's why we bring Duffy on to talk about the Islanders. You You want to hear our opinions about the Rangers. You know what helps form our opinions about what the Rangers should do? Talking to other people who follow other teams. What a novel idea, Greg. To get, to get outside opinions for people who are more knowledgeable than you. Favorite thing of that guy clapped back at us with. He's like, well, wouldn't you find it weird if I talked to Kevin Hayes? Dude, I'd finally read your website if you talked to Kevin Hayes. <laughs> I'd go to your website to read that article if you talked to Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I see. want you to talk to Kevin Hayes. I can use more Kevin Hayes content in my life. Interview him. Then people will actually visit your shitty fucking site. And don't call yourself a fucking expert. 
Who the fuck calls himself an fuck that guy? I'm an expert. Uh, Nick, Nick Villano, whatever the fuck your name is. Uh, on eating, I'm I'm a, certainly an expert. What I, a, I can what, eat. A, what a fucking tool. And that's been your tool. weekly Blue Shirts Breakaway drama that we continue to do. Yeah, he's a fucking tool. Yeah, he is. Anyway, this has been the podcast, I think. Nothing else. If you want to listen to us talk more baseball, we're doing that in the Patreon today. You more baseball. Any baseball. We went this entire podcast. Didn't talk about any baseball. Zero baseballs that we spoke about will be on the Patreon. I anyway, had a lot of baseball takes. Me too. All right, let's go do that. Everyone, thanks for listening. Appreciate it as always. Buy tickets to the forum if you want to come. August 25th, Beer Authority, New York City. Follow us on Twitter at Bushers Break, Instagram Bushers Breakaway. I love you all individually, all of you. Bye-bye. 